So if you do have your Bible, Acts chapter 2, this passage is the first and probably most effective by percentage sermon ever preached in the Christian tradition, uh, Peter inviting people to come and follow uh, Jesus, to walk with God, with them. The church went from a couple hundred people to more than 3,000 that day who heard and and followed. The the pattern of this sermon is um, he tells people what's going on, and, and he begins with saying, no, they're not drunk. I know there's a statement, there's five o'clock, it's five o'clock somewhere that had not yet been invented. I saw that look over there. I'm not mentioning names in the band. <clears throat> but all of you know, all of you know, don't you? Anyway, um, so he's telling them what's going on, and he uses a passage we use every Ash Wednesday in verse 17 through 21. It comes from Joel 2, and he tells them that this fulfillment of God's scripture, that the Holy Spirit will be poured out. Would you read that with me? I'll pour out my, oops, go back, back one, sorry about that. Verse 17, I will pour out my spirit on who? All people. Read it with me. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. This, this invitation, because before this, it was assumed that the Holy Spirit was for one, almost always just men. Yeah. That it's now for who? Sons and daughters. There is no gender discrimination with God. And that it was more for the wise and the special people than everybody else. But it says there that it will be poured out on all people, all people. And we use this every Ash Wednesday as a reminder that, yes, we need to repent and turn to God because God is going to do a new thing in our lives. Peter goes on to to share not only what was happening, that the Holy Spirit was being poured out, but how it was happening. It was happening because, or why it was happening. It was happening because Jesus came and lived and died and he fulfilled his promises. He fulfilled his promises. And Peter goes on to to invite people to trust in the promises of God, that God is true and the Spirit is faithful. In verse 37, they respond with, what shall we do? And so the rest of it is Peter telling them how they should respond to what has happened. He says, repent and be baptized, each of you. Just like this morning, we baptized this little girl and uh, she talked with me for the rest of the service. It was great. Um, How do you respond to what God has done? I want to focus, though, in verse 40, what he says. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. What do you think of when you think corrupt? Lying? Lying? Government? Dishonest? Criminal? Corrupt literally means to decompose or fall apart. So when we think of corruption, number one answer if we were playing Family Feud would be government. That is honestly what most people talk about, government corruption. Um, Or grandchildren, because how many of you grandparents corrupt your grandchildren? 
grandparents and government. <laughs> I'm not touching, I'm, I'm stopping there. So, <laughs> but, but when we talk about corruption, most often people think of government and people taking illegal bribes to, to deliver a vote. But it literally means to fall apart. And so I want you to think just for a moment, what's falling apart right now? And think about in your world, not necessarily the world, in your world. Yes, we have war happening in Europe and in Africa and in Asia. Morality. What else is falling apart? Families are falling apart. What else is falling apart? Health. Anybody's body falling apart? There are days my health feels like an Indiana road in spring, right? Thank you for the amen. I, I'll take that. <laughs> That's the best amen I get. So when we talk about being saved from a corrupt generation, I don't want you to necessarily just pigeonhole it into government or grandparents, but into this idea of what's falling apart in your world. And then I want you to think about where do you need salvation? Where, where has God saved you from that which is falling apart? Has God saved you from that which is falling apart? And, and how do you thank God for that? And who do you know who needs to be held together when everything is falling apart, because that's what God does. God doesn't, doesn't keep everything from falling apart, but God goes with us and keeps us held together while everything falls apart around us, doesn't he? Who do you know who needs that? Who hasn't found out yet that there is a one who loves them unconditionally and will walk with them through the falling apartness and help them to keep it together? Who do you know who needs that? 